This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Um, we're hearing a, a lot of, of pain from, from a lot of businesses in Alberta. All kinds of hardship out there. And, and businesses are struggling to make a go of it for a variety of reasons. There's just an, an overall downturn in the economy, right? And, and that's hitting everybody. Uh, certainly, we're hearing about businesses in the downtown with layoffs in, in some of those office towers, fewer people down there each day to eat lunch and grab a coffee, etc. So people are hurting. Now, the question is, though, are government policies making it worse? Right? The government didn't create the downturn. The government didn't create the drop in oil prices. But are government policies making it worse? Now, our next guest says, at least for them, the answer is Yes. Hodgkiss Herbs and Produce, Calgary area business. And they say they, they can't make a go of it anymore. And that uh, a lot of that is due directly to policies that the Alberta government has enacted. I want to find out more about this. Joining us on the line is Paul Hodgkiss, who is the owner of Hodgkiss Herbs and Produce. Paul, thanks so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon, Rob. All right. So what's the status of the business? Have, have you guys, it was, was today the day? Today was the day. We oh, just uh, just watched our delivery van uh, drive off into the sunset with some new owners from uh, Shirley's Greenhouse. So, uh, you know, it, um, the dust is slowly settling. Wow. Okay. So what, what, what led to this point? Oh, man. It's, uh, it, it's, a, long, it's a long story. It, small farm, farming in Alberta, particularly in the greenhouse end of the world, is really tough. It's... It's got everything going against it. You're labor-intensive for one thing, and you're obviously seriously energy-intensive for another. And we're price-takers here, obviously, because uh, we're uh, a small market. So it's, um, uh, you know, it's, it's really tough to find anything positive about it, particularly when you are on the receiving end of... Um, the latest government policies they uh, you know they each each item each item of government policy probably in isolation would would put us out of business but when you get slammed by bill 6 minimum wage increases and then a carbon tax on top of it and then uh, a personal tax increase you know on anything that's left over it uh, it's not difficult to see the writing on the wall all right. Well, yeah, and I guess some would say, well, hang on, we, we don't have the carbon tax yet, but, uh-huh. but what's, what, what's the, been the impact uh, of the carbon tax that, that will be coming in? Well, I mean, uh, do you have to uh, get hit by the train to know it's, it's bad right, news? Exactly. Um, uh, you know, in my life experience here in Alberta, and I'm born and raised in Calgary, I've been slammed by the government a number of times. Uh, I started my first business about two weeks before the national energy policy hit. Um, I was totally devastated by the income trust situation. So, you know, it's across the political spectrum. Um, so I'm not pointing fingers at left or right in this particular instance, but mm-hmm. we can see what's, what's coming, and we don't like what we see. And we, my wife and I decided that rather than wait for the train to hit us, so to speak, you know, we're going to leave on our own terms. And, you know, and, and that's relatively speaking because it, uh, there's just no good news in the story, but at least we don't have to, uh, you know, go go bankrupt uh, right, exactly. before, before we understand what's you know going to happen to us. Well, yeah, no kidding. Um, so as you say, though, you you 
you've been through other downturns, right? There, there are ups and downs of the economy, and you've been in business long enough that, that you've seen those. You've had to ride some of those out. Yeah. So, so, look, this has been another downturn of the economy. Maybe without some of these policy measures being imposed, maybe you could have rode this one out. Oh, well, that's, you know, that's, um, that's the hypothetical. It's pretty difficult to prove that. I, I, I don't know how to, how to answer that, that question. I mean, mm-hmm. in this particular case, my own somewhat cynical view of this is, is we've made a bad situation worse. These, uh, the, the changes that affect my business are inflicted on us by the government as opposed to the Saudis or whoever else exactly. outside of Alberta you wish to cast the blame onto. Well, yeah, let's talk a bit about some of those that you've already had to absorb. Now, Bill 6 and, and the changes it meant for small farm, farm operations, what, what kind of impact did that have on your business then? Well, what it will have on our business is that oh, we obviously live in Alberta, and you don't have to live here long to recognize that you go from about six and a half hours of daylight in this time of year to about 18 hours of daylight in the summertime. So we have to work when the plants grow. That's just is how the world works. And so we work a lot less hours in the winter, and we work a lot more hours in the summer. But there's not the money in the system to pay people time and a half for anything over 44 hours. I mean, we, in, during hay season, for example, myself, my wife, and my staff uh, work maybe 80 or 90 hours, and uh, it becomes uneconomic to, 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 to pay people like that. Well, so minimum wage, the minimum wage increases that we've had already, another big one coming, that, that's, that's been a big factor, too. Oh, certainly. I mean, we, in the peak of the season, we would employ, in combination of Mexicans and Canadian staff, maybe 22 people, give or take a, a, a few, depending on the year. And our, our labor costs are our biggest single expense. And, you know, I just want to set the record straight here. We've got some really savage emails from, you know, Comrade Ivans out there suggesting that we are basically bourgeois haagen out to screw the, the workers. And that just isn't the case. I mean, we start our staff at $17 an hour. We provide WCB, we provide Blue Cross, and we provide dental coverage, and they get access to all the vegetables they want. We're hardly a sweatshop, and to be accused of, of profiteering on the backs of our staff just makes my blood boil, so I just needed to get that off my chest. Uh, how many people work for you? Well, as I say, in the peak of the season, uh, we've been as high as 22. Um, typically, okay. it would be between 20 and 22 people. Uh, so, I mean, is this, is this a permanent thing? Can you envision coming back in, in a couple of years? No. The, the problem with the greenhouse business, unless it's in operation, the, the mechanical plant starts to fall apart. The poly comes off, you know, it, it disintegrates if you don't heat it. And uh, I don't know. I, I just, uh, the problem with government changes like this is that they have a certain amount of stickiness to them. So in other words, okay, we have a carbon tax now and we get a different political stripe of government elected. And, you know, on the election trail, they're adamantly against the carbon tax. They get into office and they say, well, you know, let us think about it. And it would be the same with minimum wage. And so we just have a way of pushing on from these things. But what happens behind the scenes is people like myself and, and I believe a number of, you know, small farms, you know, specifically greenhouse businesses, but also body shops and golf courses and places like that 
are going to quietly go out of business and they don't come back. Let me get your reaction there. There's a statement from the uh, agriculture minister uh, who says, quote, we understand that the climate leadership plan will affect some producers more than others. Our farm producers are an important part of our economy and our communities, and we will be sharing more soon about ways that we can support them. They've also pointed that there are grants available to, to greenhouse growers, et cetera. So what, what would you say to that? Well, Rob, uh, we farm the soil. We don't farm the government. I mean, I, I find it just absolutely, I'm almost speechless with the, you know, the insulting tone of that. I mean, we're going to take it away on the one hand, and we're going to give it back to you with the other. And, I mean, that's just, in my experience, that's not the Alberta way. It just isn't how we have done things. We, you know, we basically said people get out there and make some money, and we're going to tax you fairly, and then and away you go, and you know, give her your best shot. This business of applying for grants and loans and whatever is, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just really uncomfortable with it. Do you think th- they could have done things differently? What if they'd even put off the, the carbon tax for another year? Do you think that might have made a difference? I think it would probably just postpone the inevitable. Um, I mean, I recognize that there's, uh, what is it, I'm not sure where the consensus is now. Is it 97% of the scientists say that global warming is happening? But um, regardless, I think that the writing is, again, on the wall for some kind of carbon tax. My own suspicion is it will not bring so-called social license, you know, or any relief to Alberta, but I may be out on a limb on that one. So postponing it is, you know, is only um, postponing the inevitable. And uh, it's hard to do business knowing that something like that is hanging over you. It's just, it's really hard in the greenhouse business to find a way to offset that kind of cost increase. Well, I guess that, that's your bottom line. You're a businessman. That's what you're concerned about. You're not trying to dictate policy to the government. You're simply saying, look, this is how it affects me. Uh, certainly. I mean, I mean, there's only so, so much you can, you can do. I mean, we, um, our, our competitors aren't other Alberta greenhouses. We are kind of have a little bit of a niche market. But we do have competition, mainly from California, to some extent from Mexico. And they not, obviously are not paying the carbon tax. They're not paying $15 an hour. And people need to put a pencil to paper to figure out how much diesel fuel costs for, uh, you know, 90,000 pounds in a Super B to come up from California. And it's peanuts compared to the heating cost of a greenhouse. So I think maybe, the, you know, the greenhouse business in Alberta in the, in the immediate term is, or medium term is doomed. Well, that's interesting because right now, natural gas is pretty cheap. Aren't, aren't heating costs in Alberta still pretty competitive to, to other provinces and, and, and states? Well, they're not competitive to California where they don't use natural gas to heat. They don't have to heat. So yeah. and the, and the problem with, well, with natural gas, I think maybe people haven't looked at their gas bills, but the actual price per GJ the last time I looked was somewhere around $2 a GJ, and I think that kind of goes up and down with the market, but use that as a number. The carbon tax, by the time it's implemented, adds another $2 a GJ to the natural gas. So in other words, it doubles the energy component of your natural gas bill. That's a, that's a, is a, is a huge increase. I mean, we're a, a farm that deals in pennies. I mean, we recycle our, our soil, and we wash our plastic trays to save pennies. And then when somebody comes at you with a 100% increase in one of your main inputs, 
it, it, it's just, it staggers you. There's no, there, there's no way we can raise prices to compensate for that because your competitors aren't raising prices. So, uh, you, you know, you're, you're left with uh, not very many choices. You can raise prices, isn't going to work. You can pay people less, but that's not how we do things. Uh, or I can continue to lose money, which I really don't want to do. Or you come to the obvious conclusion, you close the business, which is why we're having this conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's sad that we are, uh, Paul. So appreciate you making some time for us here today. Uh, all the best to you. But, yeah, it's unfortunate that it's it's come to this point. Okay, well, I appreciate the time. Take care, Paul. Thanks, Thanks again. All right, there you go. Paul Hodgkiss, uh, owner of Hodgkiss Herbs and Produce. So today's the day. That's it. They're done. Didn't need to come to that. 403-974-8255. Quick break here. Back with your calls, your texts right after this. Okay, well, look, is there another side to this? Paul Hodgkiss isn't trying to make a political point. He's a businessman. He sees the bottom line. He doesn't want to lose money. He doesn't want to go bankrupt. He's having to make a tough decision. But let me just read some of this to you. This is from uh, economist Blake Schaefer at the University of Calgary. And some tweets from him earlier today. He says, I hate to see Hodgkiss veggies go. Love their carrots. But even with the carbon tax, Alberta's delivered natural gas prices still be lower than all U.S. states. And so he's got a, a chart here. So looking at Alberta, where you got the commodity, the delivery, the municipal fees, the GST, and then the carbon tax, puts it at $6. And that's, as he points out, lower than, than commercial and mid-size industrial customers in, in U.S. states. Obviously, they're competing with jurisdictions where they don't really need to worry about heating. But I suppose that's worth noting. He says it's not just input prices that drive competitiveness. Taxes matter. There again, even with a 2% increase in the corporate income tax... Or the two-point increase, uh, the corporate tax in Canada is still lower than the U.S. He says, what about wages? Studies show the minimum wage does have a small effect on employment. But for low-wage sectors, it can be big. Greenhouse operations may be one of those. Here, we're less competitive with the, U- with the U.S., where many low-wage workers are employed in agriculture. Says, but then again, that may change depending on U.S. immigration policy. A lot of their competitiveness comes from illegals willing to work for low pay. So some things maybe need to shake out uh, in the United States. Obviously, they're going through the whole $15 an hour minimum wage debate, too, in a lot of parts of the U.S. Uh, so maybe that won't be such an advantage at, at some point. So, But again, there's, there's no denying that these policies are having an impact. And that's the reality. Now, as for the other side, again, we mentioned this uh, earlier. Uh, Cavendish Farms is uh, expanding in Alberta. They're investing $350 million in a potato processing plant. Now, part of this has to do with the deal they worked out with Lethbridge, an infrastructure deal. It's a major expansion of an industrial park on on the northern edge uh, of of Lethbridge. So a lot of that has more to do with with municipal policies. But look, obviously, it's a business that's going to exist in Alberta. They're going to have to deal with everything else all other businesses are dealing with. I think a lot of people are saying, hey, hang on a second here. Look at this. Look at this company, $350 million. They're going to process potatoes here. So that's happening. But obviously, this is happening too. And a lot of other businesses are going under. All right, 403-974-8255 is a number. A lot of texts coming in. This one says, so many sad stories like Paul's story happening right now in Alberta, really starting to despise the NDP. TikTok 2019. Another one here says the carbon tax is starting in January. Why hasn't the NDP told businesses what is exactly going to happen? 
If rebates everyone should know by now, even all citizens need to see an economic impact study. It should be available to all with the damaging, damaging changes this government is doing. They seem as though they're making it up as they go along. Well, it does come across that way at times, I'll admit. There's been a lot of lead up to the carbon tax. The government's going to argue that they've spent a lot of money advertising this carbon tax to inform Albertans. I don't know how informative the ads are, but there's information out there. People want to understand what's happening, what it's going to mean. Another one here says, Rob, I completely agree with your guest. Even if many small businesses can keep it going in the short term, there is little or no profit after paying these continually increasing expenses. There's little hope for any relief in the future. So I know many small business people, including me, that will be considering their futures. Right? And look, we, we've shared a lot of those stories with you. Businesses uh, here in Calgary were getting hammered as well on, on the property tax side, too, on top of everything else. And there's more coming next year. The carbon tax kicks in. The minimum wage is going to go up again. So everything they've been dealing with up until now, it's not over yet. Is it possible the economy will start to turn around, that, that for businesses uh, who sell things, that maybe if the economy recovers, there's going to be more demand for the product, more people buying things, more people shopping, more people eating out, going out, etc.? Maybe. But what if there's not? Uh, this text here, though, says, uh, I'm confused here. If you as a greenhouse owner already paid more than the projected minimum wage, had WCB in place, why would this put you out of business? The carbon tax has not yet started either. Right? And, and you know, look, I asked him that. He says, we've been hit. These policies have had an impact on us, and, and we see what's coming. And we'd rather get out now with what we have than have to go through losing even more money to deal with what we already know is coming. But, I mean, it's a fair question to ask. Let's see another one here. It says, uh, Rob, we grow potatoes better than California anyway. They're a cool season crop, and we have irrigation. Yeah, I think the point about the, the potato processing plan is not necessarily an Alberta versus California thing, maybe more an Alberta versus, I don't know, Prince Edward Island thing. Another text here says, Rob, as far as the TV commercial for the carbon tax, they show a woman hanging clothes on a clothesline. Because they didn't realize there's a bylaw in Calgary, you're not allowed to hang your clothes on the clothesline. Uh, See, so I didn't know that either. Uh, but yeah, what does that have to do with the carbon tax? Uh, well, we can touch on that as well. There was an interesting exchange uh, earlier this week in the House, in the, not the House of Commons, the other thing, the legislature, uh, with the uh, Wild Rose finance critic, Derek Fildebrandt, and uh, Premier Rachel Notley on partisan ads. Why don't we drop that in, uh, since it's relevant to the topic at hand. Uh, this is from the other day in the ledge. In 2014, the Premier characterized ad spending of the Redford government as pre-election campaigning. She labeled Redford's 240 communication staff as a waste of taxpayers' money. In the same year, the now-government House leader on multiple occasions accused Premier Redford of excessively spending taxpayers' dollars to, quote, control the message. He passionately denounced wasting taxpayers' money on advertising the policies of the party in power. Does the Premier still agree with herself? Uh-huh. Well, you know, Mr. Speaker, I guess I could ask the same question of the member opposite. Because you know what? While his leader was in the federal government, do you know what? Over 10 years, they spent $750 million on advertising. In one year, they spent $150 million on advertising. 
using for a political plan. They spent, they, they, it, it's jaw-dropping how much money the, the member opposite's government spent on political advertising, and yet we spent $4 million. So I assume that their real concern, Mr. Speaker, is that we're not spending enough. First supplemental. The inability of the Premier to answer a question is jaw-dropping, Mr. Speaker. Given, Mr. Speaker, the most corrupt Premier in the modern history of Alberta spent $4 million over three years on self-serving partisan propaganda. Well, the new boss, just like the old boss. Actually, nearly three times worse than the old boss. To date, the NDP have spent $10.5 million in half the time. Albertans were disgusted by this waste of money when Redford did it, and they're disgusted now. Will the government do the right thing and put an end to this taxpayer-funded partisan propaganda. Mr. Speaker, speaking of bosses, the member opposite's boss was part of a government that in one year spent $113 million on political advertising. I believe that's, uh, let's see, 30 times Canada more than we've spent, plan. Mr. Speaker. Thankfully, plan, eh? we will not be following oh, yeah. their example, Mr. Speaker. Okay, so you, <laughs> you kind of get a theme there from that. Uh, Rachel not he's not really answering the question saying, hey, you know, Harper spent a lot of money on ads. I think it was Joe Cece chiming in as, as their hype man there who first called it action in Canada. Then finally heard it there. He called it the Canada action plan. Uh, yeah, they spent a lot of money on those ads. And I don't think that was right either. So two wrongs make a right doesn't seem like a really convincing argument that the premier is making. And again, the, these, you know, they're trying to argue that these ads are about informing Albertans. You know, women hanging clothes on a clothesline. What are you learning about the, the carbon tax through those ads? Other than, I guess, you're supposed to be happy about it. 403-974-8255. Back with more of your calls and your texts right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.